Welcome to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is episode 364. We're welcoming back Brendan this week after a couple week absence. Glad to have you back. Yeah, happy to be here. This is Casey Maluli. I'm here as usual with Tom Maluli. Hello there. Let's get into it. It's, I think the broader lesson there is is like people rely on things like lines of credit in many variations as part of their personal finances and just like caution on that because mm-hmm. this can happen for any reason at any time. Like you are subject to whatever the bank says. Yeah, right? You have 60-day notice. Good luck. Yeah, that's part of your safety net. Yeah. That's not a safety it can, net. It can be part of it, yeah. but it can't be All of the it. crux of it. Yeah. Right. And so, we've had people who have come into the office – in years past, who are like, yeah. well, I have like a ten thousand dollars. I have no money in the bank, but I have a HELOC, yeah. so it's cool. It's like, is it though? Yeah, I remember what happened in two thousand seven and eight. Yeah. Like that, that stuff got shut down pretty fast. Mm. So just the intro, the article, we're talking about a pretty big news headline that just came out today on the on the day we're recording this. That Wells Fargo tells its customers it's shuttering all personal lines of credit. So like Brendan said. Customers now have 60 days, and after that, their accounts will be shuttered with balances requiring minimum payments at a fixed rate. One of the things that I saw in on Twitter as people were commenting on this headline was a lot of folks have, have received letters in the last few days from Wells Fargo notifying them, and they also threw, Wells Fargo threw in the line that closed accounts may impact your credit score hmm. or your credit rating. Oh. What people are probably oh. going to do. It's, it's okay. nice. That's nice. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. One little more for that, Wells Fargo. kicking the butt on your way out. I feel like people are just going to pick up from Wells Fargo and go to like J.P. Morgan Chase and open the exact same kind of an account and take what they're willing to lend them to close this out before it impacts their credit score or i mean i guess it still would rather but rather than make minimum payments or something if you're in a position to do so you're just going to go to a different bank who's going to continue this kind of lending assuming they are going to continue this kind of lending but I i think the thing that's really making me scratch my head is that we keep reading articles about how banks are starting to open up and do more lending and it seems like this bank is choosing to go in the opposite direction. Well, I don't I, understand that. One of my takeaways was this has to be related to the sanctions imposed on them from the the fake account scandal back in 2018, 2019. Yeah. They already pulled back last year on home equity lines of credit. They've they've left some of the auto lending space that they used to be in. So it seems like they're cutting some of these areas that are maybe not not as profitable for them yeah. or, or riskier um, as they decide what they can and can't do as a, as a result of the sanctions. I kind of and agree with that case. Home equity and auto loans is a huge market for Wells Fargo, or yeah. has been in the past. But yeah, they, they got out of that last year. So I actually did some digging because the article said that the move would let the bank focus on credit cards and personal loans. So according to creditcards.com and the, the Wells Fargo website, Wells Fargo is only offering three credit cards on their website now which doesn't seem like a lot. And there's like 19 from Citibank. Right. So the lines of credit that Wells is no longer offering to their clients, the rates on those range from 9.5% to 21%. But they were variable, so there was some wiggle room in there. But according to creditcards.com, the average APR on credit card offers rose to a one-year high at just over 16%. The only rate that will never, ever go down, no matter what the Fed does to interest rates, credit cards. 
gotta, best of luck with you that. You have to pay for shrinkage and for people who crap out on their loans. Yeah. That's why it's 16%. But to your point, Brian, I feel like they're getting out of this space because it's not as profitable as focusing more on credit cards. Hmm. So <laughs> another strike against Wells Fargo. Yeah. Like you said, you got to be careful with these products from from banks because poof, they can just go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you were relying on a line of credit from Wells as something, you know, to backstop your personal finances, I mean, I, I hope that it was just a part and not and not your emergency fund. So along the same lines, <clears throat> you know, we've had some folks tell us that, well, they have a credit card from Home Depot or they have a credit card from some other store. And actually what you have is a branded credit card from Chase or Wells Fargo or some other bank. They're the bank that's doing this through Home Depot or some other department store or something like that. And I mean, those rates are, I mean, they they go up to 29. That's insane. But uh, I don't know if that's part of the business that they're stepping back from. That wasn't clear, but it just seems like Wells Fargo is uh, deciding to streamline their business uh, and simplify things. Right. And it could be it could be due to another change in trend, which was highlighted in a Wall Street Journal article written on the very same day, with the headline "Borrowing is Back," as signups for auto loans credit cards hit records. <laughs> the first line of the article is: Americans are borrowing again, in some cases at levels not seen in more than a decade. So it goes on to say that consumer demand for auto loans, general-purpose credit cards, and personal loans was up 39% in April compared with the same period last year. And it was up 11% compared with the same period in 2019. Yeah, I think it's kind of it's kind of hard to measure anything against numbers from last year because last year was so screwy. I but mean, that 11% from two years ago... But even that's not... I mean, depending on how they're measuring this, if this is just... What is the number? It's, it's 11% from 2019. Right, but we're still talking about a period of time where there's like excess demand in the system, and 2019 yeah. was just a regular year. It wasn't coming off of a year where they're like, sure. I get that compared to 2020, it's obviously misleading because people were just not really doing stuff at this point in 2020. So that's that's off. But compared to 2019 too, it's still going to be higher than that because again, it was a normal year, and we don't have people lining up to take vacations they postponed for 12 months or, or you know buying a car because they're actually driving again i think another part of the skew that comes from comparing 2020 to this year is you know in april may june period last year in the second quarter a lot of banks were cutting credit lines and shutting down lending practices because they knew that people were getting laid off in droves so they didn't want to be making loans. And so that's part of the bounce back, I guess. I'm just suspicious of like fun with numbers here because I think yeah. that anytime you can take a data point and say this is this is the highest since bum 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 the financial crisis. It's like is this the beginning of the next one? Yeah. I don't know. Keep reading to find out. It yeah. just seems like a little I understand they need to like suck people in, but I don't know that it's overly concerning i just i think that if you consider pent-up demand i think that this will probably come and go in terms of 
yeah, people are spending to do stuff that they probably just didn't do last year. And so you're yeah. getting two, maybe two full years of demand squeezed into like the last couple months is yeah. maybe like the beginning of it. And it, it probably fades out at some point in the future too. Yeah, especially March, April, May of this year was when, you know, vaccinations were rolling out strong and everyone was kind of raring to go and mm-hmm. there was that it was still demand. It like, was still unclear at that point just a few months right, ago. Like, it's we like, were just coming, like, we're recording this in early July. Yeah. So now let's see what it looks like in November, like October, November, December. Yeah, next, and next year. Yeah, exactly. Right? I, think, I think we're going to have a lot of, of data points that, you know, you can, you can torture to say things look weird or this is the first time since you know x but i'm not sure that the historical comparisons are great here because i don't think we've had any any years in the past where we uh you know had a year where there was just down consumption the way that we had in 2020 so an interesting line from the wall street journal article was from a man that they interviewed in in minnesota and i just wanted to get your guys take on this i'm paraphrasing here but The man said, the growth over the last year in my investment account has given me peace of mind to spend some money taking on a nice luxury car. I think it was a Lexus. He said, I can't take the money with me in my investment account, so I might as well enjoy a nice car while I'm at it. Yeah, I saw that. It's a shame. He, you know, I'm going to get a little picky here, but he took a $31,000 loan to buy a five-year-old car. Not the way I would do it, but... But is that representative of the times we're in in terms of the way investment accounts have done like is it i know i don't i'm not trying to pigeonhole you guys into an answer here but is this reckless behavior or is this a guy spending his well-earned money in a way that he that he wants and is going to enjoy on one hand i like the idea of people enjoying their money if they're in a position to do so so like maybe not enough information to say for sure in this case whether it makes sense however i would consider you have a period of time where, yes, your investments have done pretty well over the last 12, 18 months, uh, let's call it, and maybe even longer than that. But So investments have done well. That is somewhat fleeting in the sense that that's, that's always going to be like changing. However, the new debt payment that you just took on for the $31,000 car loan is fixed. Mm. You're going to make that no matter what. And so you've got to be comfortable. If you're going to expand that payment in terms of I'm going to borrow more because I, I feel financially because of gains that I have that I'm in a, I'm in a position to do so and treat myself, so to speak. Um, those payments are permanent. The investment performance, six, 12 months from now, you might feel differently about. And so I wouldn't make decisions about obligations now that you have over five or seven years, like a car payment, based on investment performance, which is, is going to change a ton over time. Sure. We're going to go through periods of no returns or down returns, and you're still going to have to make that car payment. You're also not paying your car loan with money from your investment account. Yeah, probably not, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, you're not taking it from there. So it's more of like a choice. cash flow mm-hmm. issue than it is being backstopped by your investment accounts. Mm-hmm. This also kind of ties in with something that I mentioned an episode or two ago where I think everyone has been compliant for the past 14, 15, 16 months with lockdown rules and masks and all this other stuff. And people haven't been able to go on vacation, haven't been able to really do things that they want to do. And so, yeah, there should be, you know, an expectation that this is going to happen, that it's hard to get a rental car when you go on vacation. It's hard to book a flight to some really popular places for now. I think that 
people shouldn't be treated like children in terms of what they can and can't do. They just won't, they won't be that compliant for long. The fact that people didn't freak out more towards the end of this pandemic is honestly amazing. Mm. And I just think that there's going to be a certain amount of, we're gonna overdo it a little bit, but I think people are for the most part responsible and they're gonna say, okay, we got that out of our system or we had two vacations this year because we didn't have one last year. What I'm saying though is that they can't sh- they can't take it back when you do it this way. That's like you right. finance the car, you can't shrink that back down when you realize that you, you that's were, an obligation. Because I agree, yeah. it's like eventually you're gonna realize, hey, I overdid that, but that's a payment you have to make forever now until the until the debt is retired. Uh, so I don't know that like I wouldn't make a decision like that with lasting impact as my way to splurge. Like if you're going to splurge on a vacation, that's a one-time expense. And you can say in hindsight, eh, we overdid it, but we had really fun fun times on that trip. Time, yeah. That was cool. Yeah, You're not paying for that vacation for the next five or seven years. Like a car, I don't know. Again, I don't know this guy's situation. Maybe he, maybe he can't afford it, but I'm just saying like investment performance should not impact things like taking on You're like spending, debt especially yeah decisions right? yeah or, or they they can to a degree but like not i don't know yeah. I, I wouldn't use that as like a because of this now i'm doing that sort of thing i, I don't know that that tracks for me yeah all right i think that's going to do it for episode 364 of the maluli asset podcast thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on 365 Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.